Thank you so much, Pastor Matt. Really appreciate that. You know, the pastors, we are thrilled and at the same time humbled with what God is doing here at MCC. God is bringing an incredible group of people together. And uh, we're asking God, God, trust us with them and show us how to care for them. We're thrilled with what God is doing. And this growth that we're experiencing, we've seen hundreds and hundreds of people since Easter that have been checking out MCC and becoming part of our family. And we're so thankful and humbled by that. And it reminds me of the massive growth that the church experienced in Jerusalem at its very beginning. And in fact, if you want to track with me in the book of Acts, just really quickly, you can open to the book of Acts chapter 5. We're going we're gonna to land there in just a moment. But before we do, I just want to take you quickly through. I want you to see what was happening with the church in Jerusalem. In Acts chapter 1, the Bible says that there were about 120 believers that were following Jesus. But then in Acts chapter 2, we find that on the, the festival of Pentecost, the Jewish festival, the, the Lord poured out the Holy Spirit and the church was birthed that day. And the Bible says 3,000 people were baptized and became followers of Jesus Christ on that day. And that one day. And then a few verses after that, it says that daily the Lord was adding to the number of those who were becoming believers. If you jump ahead to Acts chapter 5, the Bible says more and more people were being added to the church. And so much so that a little bit later in chapter 5, the priests and the religious leaders were actually complaining to the apostles saying, you guys have filled the whole city with this teaching of yours. That's pretty exciting. But not as exciting as what happens in Acts chapter 6. Because in verse 1 of chapter 6, it says that the number of disciples was, get this, multiplying. It had gone from addition to multiplication. Now there were factors and factors of people coming to know Christ, so much so that by the end of the book of Acts, in Acts chapter 21, the scriptures say this, that myriads of believers were in the city. And that Greek word that is, for, is, is myriads literally means tens of thousands of believers were in the city of Jerusalem. In fact, the estimates are there were 100,000 believers by this time in a city of 200,000. Is that an incredible church growth or what? God, I'm praying, let that happen in every church that's preaching the Bible. That's what we want to see. I wish every church was like that. Now, as a pastor and as the pastor who oversees all of our connections and helping people to connect in the body of Christ, I have a big question about that. And my question was, what did they do with all these people? Like, where did they meet? How did they handle it? Like, this, you know, this is huge growth that's happening. What did they do? Well, the Bible tells us in Acts chapter 5 exactly what they did. In Acts chapter 5 and verse 42, look what the scripture says. It says, day after day in the temple courts and from house to house, they never stopped teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Messiah. Do you see the strategy? They met in the temple courts, not in the temple. Only the priests would have been allowed to actually go in the temple. But in the temple courts, in these courtyards, there were several of them around the temple would have held, could have held thousands of people at a time. So they met in the temple courts, large group worship, and house to house, small group fellowship. And I want you to understand that this is the strategy, the biblical strategy for the church was large group worship and small group fellowship. It was the biblical strategy for the church then, and it is also the strategy for the church 
today. This is what God has called us to. This is why we do what we do. Here they are, they're meeting and it's powerful. House to house and in the large church setting. And in fact, Later, uh, throughout the New Testament, the Apostle Paul mentions on a number of occasions when he's greeting people in his letters, he says, greet these people and the church that meets in their house. So this was happening throughout the New Testament age. Large group worship, small group fellowship. So the New Testament confirms it. And this is how they were able to experience healthy growth, a massive growth, but at the same time care for everyone. So no one is left behind. So, so no one falls behind. That was the strategy then. And it's also the strategy now. And this strategy, my friend, works. But don't just take my word for it. I want you to take this couple's word for it as well. Five years ago, we moved from Baltimore to Mechanicsville. We church shopped for a number of months and we settled on MCC because it was alive. The spirit was very clearly present to us. And shortly after we decided that MCC was our church home, the Group Up Sunday event occurred. So in the foyer, we got directed to a group with peers, you know, 30-somethings with small kids. But we knew no one in the group because we knew no one at church. And when we started the group, we uh, felt like we were blessed beyond measure. It gave us a place to belong. It gave us community, a place to be vulnerable and to discuss tough questions with people who really cared. And from that, authentic, meaningful friendships and relationships grew, our faith deepened, and we developed a better relationship with Jesus and with each other. So the one small group became the gateway for us joining other groups. That included Freedom, Mums for Allison, Financial Peace University for both of us, Women's Mentorship, and Men's Ministry for me. So family opened their living room to us and God changed our lives through them. Now we're compelled to do the same, so we lead a small group now. And not only has that blessed others, but it's blessed us through wonderful new friendships while deepening our relationship with God that much more. Isn't that a good word? Yeah, you can clap for them. Mick and Allison. The strategy works, but you have to engage in the strategy for it to work. You have to participate in the strategy for it to work. You know, last week, Pastor Matt started uh, this message, Processed People, and, and I love how he talked about the fact that you and I are saved by the grace of God. Like, we don't have to measure up. We don't have to clean ourselves up. We don't have to do any of that. Jesus draws us to himself because of his grace and his love and his mercy, and he saves us. But then he puts us into a process of becoming really the people that he always intended for us to be. We become more like Jesus through the processes. And here's the challenge. We usually hate the process or at least resist the process because it's uncomfortable. It, it, it feels unnatural. It, 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 it's, it takes effort and energy to, to engage in it. And so we tend to push away from it. But the reality, as Pastor Matt said last week, is that the promises of God are available to those who agree with the processes that God puts us in. If you agree with those processes, then the promises of God become yours. Now, what we're talking about today and the, the, the process I want to talk about today, I'm calling the practice of fellowship. 
the practice of fellowship, the fact that the New Testament believers met in large group worship, but also house to house, small group settings. So how does this work? Like, why is this important, this whole idea of fellowship? Well, I want you to look with me in Mark chapter 3. We're going to take a quick, quick little visit to Jesus and his disciples. Mark chapter 3, and it gives us some great insight into, um, into why this is so important, this fellowship part, this fellowship practice. Mark chapter 3, beginning in verse 13, let me give you some quick context. Jesus has been preaching, and he's been healing, casting out demons. There's been amazing stuff happening down by the seashore. Huge crowds are following him, and now he goes somewhere else, and the crowds continue to follow him there. Verse 13, Jesus went up on a mountainside and called to him those he wanted, and they came to him. He appointed 12 that they might be with him and that, they might, that he might send them out to preach and to have authority to drive out demons. So here's this moment with Jesus. There's this huge crowd. And out of the crowd, Jesus chooses 12 by name and calls them close to him. Can you imagine? Do you remember what it was like when you got picked out of the line to play a sport? Like to, got picked up for it? It feels good, right? What is it like to be chosen by Jesus? Like, how does that feel? I mean, it's got to be awesome, right? Guess what? You were chosen by Jesus. The Bible says that if you have a relationship with Jesus, that wasn't just because you decided to do that one day. The Bible says that the Father has been drawing you and pointing you to his son, Jesus, and that by his grace, he won your heart one day. You were chosen by Jesus. In fact, Isaiah chapter 43 says it this way. It says, I have redeemed you and called you by name. Do you believe that? Paul said it this way in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1. Listen, it was no afterthought for you to come to know Jesus. It says in Ephesians 4, 1, it says, Before the foundations of the world, Jesus had called you and redeemed you to follow him. You know, there ought to be a lot of shouting, like right at this moment. Like we ought to be having church in here. Right in this moment, you were chosen by Jesus. It's amazing. Go back to Mark 3. I want, I want you to notice something. The scripture says that Jesus chose these 12 that they should preach. So, so this is what they're eventually going to do. They're going to preach the good news of Jesus. And notice it also said that that's what they're going to do. And then he said, you're going to do this. He said, I'm giving them authority to cast out demons. So that's how they're going to do it. They're going to preach the word and they're going to do it with authority. But none of that will happen without the first thing he called them to. And it says, he called them that they might be with him. Did you catch that? He wanted them to be with him. Because you see, there were some things that needed to change in their lives. There were some ways that he wanted to shape them that would not happen in the big crowd. It couldn't happen that way. And so what did he do? He called out these 12 by name so that they could be with him. And over the course of that experience of being with Jesus, what they do and how they do it would eventually flow out. Does that make sense? This means yes, okay? <laughs> Quiet in here today, man. 
for you and me, what we do will flow out of time spent with Jesus. What we do and how we do it will flow out of the time that we spend with Jesus. Because there is a deeper influence in our lives that can only happen in a smaller kind of setting. And that's where the word of God gets pushed into places in our lives that preaching alone cannot reach. It's so valid, it's so important, this practice of fellowship. So how does it work? Like, like how does that actually happen? What, what are the ingredients that make it successful? Well, there's two ingredients, and you could probably quote these. They're so well known. Matthew chapter 18, verse 20, is the first ingredient I want you to see in, these, in how these smaller groups make a difference. Matthew chapter 18. And in fact, you've already heard it today from the platform. Matthew chapter 18 and verse 20 says this. Jesus speaking. For where two or three gather in my name. Go ahead, finish it with me. There am I with them. What are you saying, Pastor Dwight? Listen, here's what I'm saying. Group leader, you may not have known that. Jesus goes to your small group. Jesus is part of your small group. Yeah. I mean, that's awesome. Whether you show up or not, Jesus is there. He's showing up where two or three are gathered together. I am there with, what, what, what's the point? The point is this. In that smaller group setting, Jesus personalizes truth in our hearts. He does that in small groups. He personalizes it. What Jesus does is he takes the truths that maybe we hear on Sunday or, or at, at some other point, and he convinces us through his Holy Spirit, he convinces us that they're true and that we need this in our life. And, and so he not only convinces us of it, but he shows us how we practically apply this in our lives. And he does this through the small group. So that's the first ingredient, Jesus in the midst with the truth of his word speaking to our lives. The second ingredient, you could probably quote this as well. It's found in Proverbs chapter 27, verse 17. You don't even have to look it up or look on the screen because here's what it says. As iron sharpens iron, what? So one person sharpens another. As iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. The second ingredient, what I'm saying about these smaller group settings is this. People influence one another more deeply in small groups. This is where we influence one another. Now, I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to reveal something to you that this might just blow your mind. Are you ready for your mind to be blown? Iron doesn't sharpen iron. says iron sharpens iron. It says, says, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. Notice what it says. As iron sharpens iron. What am I saying? Here's what I'm saying. I always picture, I don't know what you picture, I always picture two swords when I picture this, you know, like swords crossing blades and all that kind of stuff. Or maybe it's two knives, like at Thanksgiving, you know, crossing each other. Right, right. Listen. If two blades are the same, if they're identical, they do not sharpen one another. In order for a sharpening to happen, one of the elements has to be harder than the other. 
That's why, that's why you use a whetstone or, or something else to sharpen a blade because the stone is more dense, it's harder, and as long as you apply pressure and at the correct angle, it will sharpen the blade. Now, uh, what am I saying? Listen, are, are you getting it? If two things are identical, they might cross and all they will do, they'll create friction and heat and there'll be sparks, but they'll remain just as dull if they're the same. But if one is stronger than the other, then the sharpening can begin to happen. Listen, that's why God calls us to be together in small groups. This is rich if you'll catch it, if it's not too early on a Sunday morning for you. You see... For some of us, some of you, you, and I've been in this case at different times too, you've been in a small group and nobody's really growing. It's like you're not really experiencing spiritual truth. It's probably because everybody thinks the same, feels the same, reacts the same, talks the same, expects the same. You got nothing to offer each other. But when you're in a group with people who think a little different, who've had a different experience, who are trying to figure it out for themselves and understand what the word is speaking to them, that's when it begins to happen. And that's the point. You see, that's one of the reasons we resist getting together in fellowship in small groups. But if you think about, think about Jesus and what he did. We just read in Mark 3 where he called the disciples to him, right? Why? Because he wanted to be with them. But guess what? Most of them did not want to be with each other. <laughs> Have you thought about that? <laughs> like when he called this band together, they were as different as night and day. You had rich and poor. You had laborers and professionals. You, you had young and old. You had zealots and you had pacifists all together. And in the presence of Jesus with that mix, he would use their differences to shape them and sharpen them into the men that he had called them to be. And that's exactly what he wants to do with you and me through our small group fellowships, through being together in those smaller places. That's what this, this great uh, drama that's happening right now, uh, The Chosen, is a fantastic depiction of, of Jesus and his disciples. But it's largely about the differences between these men and how Jesus uses those differences to shape them into people that will be able to carry the gospel to anyone in the world. You'll hear more, a little bit more about that in just a minute. So listen, these two ingredients... The ingredient of Jesus with us in the room and, and, and helping us understand the Bible, that, that, that's one ingredient. And the other ingredient is other people in the room that aren't like us, that are a little different. Those two ingredients are some of the biggest reasons that people resist getting into small groups. I don't know anything about the Bible. I don't want to be embarrassed. And I might have to be in a group with people that aren't like me. And maybe I won't even like them. And they might not like me. And so we say, I, that's not for me. I can't do that. Those two ingredients remind me of a friend of mine and his story. I want you to welcome him as he comes. Steve Spencer, will you come and just share a little bit of your story with us? So um, let me just ask you a couple questions and you can tell him your story, bro. Sure. Okay. So um, first of all, like you came to MCC um, how did you and Jenna and your family, how did you guys end up here at MCC? We have some friends that go here and um, we've been looking for a church for a while and they invited us here and so we, we came and fell in love with the place the first day we came. Wow, that's awesome. I love that. Let's make sure we have that on tape. We'll play that every week. Um, <laughs> I love that, man. So what about your background then? You, you must have had a lot of church background and that's why you loved everything, right? 
No, uh, I, I, didn't, I didn't grow up in a, in a church setting. I, my family didn't go to church. Um, in 45 years, I've maybe been to church like a handful of times. Wow. So this is all brand new to me. Wow, MCC was probably kind of a deep drink of water for you. It man. was awesome. <laughs> you showed up, yeah. So what was happening in your life? Like what, what caused you to say, let's go to church? Yeah, let's say yes to the invitation you got. I had a lot of, a lot of stuff going on in my personal life. Um, I lost my dad to suicide. Um, I got anger, depression. I lost a job. I was fighting uh, generational alcoholism. And nothing I was doing or people I was talking to was working. Um, I never thought to turn to God because I never went to church um, until we started coming here with, uh, with our friends. And, and I, 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 I found that, that God has a place for me and, and he's been leading, been leading my life and he's done amazing, wow. amazing things in my life. Love that. Love that. Woo. So, so um, like almost as soon as you got here, you jumped into a small group. He actually jumped into my freedom group. <clears throat> Uh, just like a week or two after you guys started coming. I mean, it was really soon. So are you like Mr. Outgoing? Like, was that an easy thing for you? Like, and, and what was that experience like for you? <laughs> well, this is way outside my comfort zone. And I don't know if y'all can tell, but inside I'm terrified being up here. <laughs> so I don't do well around people I don't know and in small settings. But <clears throat> in uh, February, I, uh, with Pastor Mitch, I, I said the Lord's Prayer and I, I promised God to open my heart and give my full heart to God. And I know that if I'm going to learn more about uh, about this journey that I'm I'm walking with, I'm walking in with God. That I need to I need to do what I can to learn as much as I can. So a small group, wow. we figure it might be a, the best option. So basically, you just sucked it up and did it, right? Absolutely, like, that's kind of what I'm hearing. I like, did, right, just, I did. Just do it, right? So um, you mentioned to me that the group had really helped you in some ways with the Bible and resources. Just tell us quickly about that. Well, I'm a, I'm a hands-on kind of learner. I can't just read something and retain it. So being around a bunch of people that have different knowledge and experience with the Bible and understanding, hearing that in general applications actually helped me learn and obtain a lot more. And it was just awesome, the people that we met, new friendships that we've gained. Um, I, I couldn't, I'm glad I didn't pass up the opportunity. So cool, man. Hey, um, how about for anybody out here, maybe anybody watching online that is like, still kind of hesitant, like, I just don't think I can do a group or whatever. What, what advice would you give them, man? What would you tell them? You have to try it. You have to try it. <laughs> wow. This is, it's changed my life. Um, the support group you get from the, from the people in your group is, is amazing. Everybody's there just to encourage you and do better. And I, I wouldn't trade it for the world right now. I, I just got one more question, one more question for you. So earlier this week, we were going to talk about our time here together on the stage, and um, we were supposed to talk one evening, and you called me, and you said, hey, I can't talk right now. I'll have to call you tomorrow. Tell them what was in the way of you and me talking. <laughs> a couple of weeks ago, my wife and I went to the front desk, and we got that small group brown box up there, and um, started reading through the material, and we prayed on it, and we started our own small group with the neighbors across the street from us. With the hopes that we can expand it to the neighborhood and, and start, uh, start our own thing. If that's not worth celebrating, I don't know what is. Woo! Thank you, buddy. Thank you. Thank you, Steve. Yes, Thanks sir. for sharing your story. That's what it's about. The strategy works if you engage in the strategy and God will change your life. My question to you today is this. Who are your people? 
Who are your people? Who are the people that you can be real with? Who are the people that you can go beyond the, I'm fine, response? You see, you might watch somebody here in, the, in our worship setting, worshiping God. You may see a guy that's just got his hands up, man, and he's intense and praising Jesus. And, and your feeling might be, well, he's obviously very spiritually strong. But what you discover in the small group is maybe his wife has just walked out on him. And he's asking God for strength. Help me to get through this. Or maybe you thought she had it all together. Her kids always looked nice and everything was great. And then in a small group, you discover wow, she's a single mom and she just got laid off and she doesn't know how she's gonna pay rent next month. That's why she's crying out to God. You see, my point is God wants you and me to go deeper than just the large group experience of worship, which is wonderful. He wants us to experience the practice of fellowship because that fellowship is, is when you practice that, you're able to be honest with a group of friends who will know you and support you. Just like Steve was just saying, he didn't know anyone when he got in the group, but now he's got a network of friends caring for each other, supporting one another. You and I, we might experience a shadow of this on the golf course or maybe a little bit of it in a local bar, but unless you, until you add the presence of Jesus in the mix, that's what makes it all cook. And that's how Jesus shapes us and forms us. Friends, we live in a culture where we are more connected than ever before, and we are actually more distant, and there's more loneliness than there ever has been in our nation. Statistically, it's, it's proven. 50% of adults in our country, 50% of adults say they experience loneliness every single week. Jesus never called you to do this journey alone. He wants you to walk in fellowship and connection with other people. People need connection, friendship, support, camaraderie. It's what makes us human. And God is calling you and me to that. And that's what I'm asking of you today. I want you to engage in the practice of fellowship. We're gonna ask you to find a small group. We're gonna help you do that in just a few moments. But before I do that, I'm gonna ask you to stand right where you are, just very quickly, just stand. I wanna give you a moment to respond very quickly. We're not leaving, don't pack up anything. It's still early. Will you close your eyes and bow your heads with me for just a moment? It would be wrong of me to close this service and not give you the opportunity to receive Christ as your savior. Because you see, God loves you. You can be part of a group, you can come to our church, you can do all those things, you don't have to be a Christian. You don't have to start off that way. But for you to actually be part of the family of God, it only happens by coming through the doorway, and that's Jesus. And so across this room, with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, if you feel today like God is just drawing you to himself and you, you want to be part of the family of God, I want you to raise your hand really quickly and, and put it down. I'll acknowledge it, and, and we'll, we'll pray, and we're going to move on. But I see, okay, yeah, up in the balcony. Thank you. Yeah, up on the, on the wing. I see you over there. Yeah, somebody else. Come on, who else? You say, yeah, I see you on the floor there. Yeah, thank you. Come on, this is the most important moment in people's lives. What are you gonna do with Jesus? Like Pastor Matt began us today, who do you say Jesus is? Some of you are gonna walk out of here saying he's my savior and you've never been able to say that before. Anybody else? 
All right, I'm just going to ask for one other response, and that is this. You're here today. Maybe, maybe you're already a believer. You're already following Jesus, but you recognize that you have held yourself away from others. You've, you've, not, you've kind of rejected this practice of fellowship. Maybe you've gotten hurt. Maybe you've gotten burned in the past. I hate that that's happened to you but we can't let that keep us away. Listen, you are a gift that God wants to give to others through your influence in a group and they will be gifts to you. If that's you today and you realize God is just kind of convicting your heart and you're saying, yeah, I need to step into fellowship and I've never done it before. Raise your hand very quickly. Yeah, I see you up there in the balcony. Thank you. Yeah, on the floor, all across the floor here. Yeah, thank you up in the balcony. Yeah. Let's pray together. God, I wanna, I'm gonna pray first for those folks. God, I thank you for these that know you, but Lord, they, you're convicting their heart. They need to step away from, they, they need to stop moving away from fellowship. And you're showing them that they need other people and that you're a gift that you wanna give to other people as well, that, that you wanna give them as gifts in relationship. So God, I pray for boldness and courage for those people who raise their hands that they will uh, even today take steps to engage in fellowship. And I thank you for doing that, Lord. Now, God, for those that raise their hands to accept Christ, I'm gonna ask everyone in the room to repeat after me this prayer. And if you raised your hand, or even if you didn't, but you mean this prayer from your heart, the Bible says you'll be saved. Just pray with me, everyone. Dear Jesus, I believe you are the one and only Son of God. You came in the flesh and you died on the cross to pay the penalty for my sins. And you rose again three days later, victorious over death and victorious over sin. So I ask you to forgive me of my sin. Wash me clean and make me new. I invite you into my life. I receive you as my savior. And I declare you are my Lord. You're the leader of my life from this day forward. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Will you celebrate with me? Woo! Hallelujah.